Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, all right, everybody, I am so happy to be bringing you this brand new episode today. It's also the last episode before summer officially kicks off and I go on a little hiatus. But don't worry, I have already a bunch of exciting new episodes in the works for you all for this upcoming fall. So that's definitely something to look forward to. And today I am truly so happy to welcome the wonderful and talented Liliana Vasquez onto the podcast. For those of you who may not know, Liliana is an Emmy award-winning host and television personality. Known for her incredible accomplishments as an interviewer, contributor, and author of the book, The Cheap Chica's Guide to Style. She was the host of E! Entertainment's morning shows, Pop of the Morning and E! News, where she became the first and only Latina to host the show in its 30-year history. She has produced and hosted Pop on Peacock and also hosted E! Entertainment's Deals for Real segment. She even was a contributor for Today on NBC and a correspondent for Access Daily and Access Hollywood. She's currently at People, the TV show, as a special contributor covering all things entertainment, red carpets, runways, and celebrity pop culture news. And now she's working on her latest venture, Curated Productions, which she'll be chatting a little bit about in today's episode. Liliana will also be speaking today about the importance of appreciating the moment you're in, the present, and why we should all learn to celebrate our wins, something that's become extremely crucial for her in her journey as a new mom. I genuinely can't wait for you to hear it, so you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, like I said, Liliana, I am so excited to have you on. I feel like as somebody who appreciates a good interview, I always love having, you know, members of the media journalists on the podcast to chat about it, chat about their careers. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. This is such a treat. I can't wait to chat. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you, I love pop culture, I guess. We'll start with that. I've talked about this on the podcast before. I love pop culture. I love keeping up with it. Oh my gosh. Like what a year it's already been so far. So much has been going on. Um, and with you sort of being this entertainment fashion reporter, keeping up with all, all things that are happening right now in the pop culture sphere. Um, you've done work with E news today. Um, so many different amazing platforms. I'm so interested to hear sort of how you got involved in the profession, because if if I read correctly, media journalism wasn't exactly your first choice when it it came to picking sort of like your career and what route you wanted to go down, correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, You're absolutely right. A hundred percent right. I definitely um, don't come from a traditional, I would say, um, new media, I guess they call it new media now, new media or journalism um, background. I actually found myself in this position because I started in fashion. So fashion has always been what I've always loved and been passionate about since I was a little girl. Um, I started sewing, I think when I was probably like around five or six years old. Um, And before that I could needlepoint, my um, aunt took care of me when my mom worked. So she was kind of my nanny during the day. 
And, um, she was an incredible seamstress. And so we started making clothes for my dolls, making clothes for my bears. And so I've always had a deep appreciation for clothes. Um, not just obviously the ones you see on the runway, but just even making them and the art of being able to do something with your hands. And so fashion has always really been where my heart has been. And it's where I started my career after college. Um, I worked at a magazine, I worked at W magazine and, I kind of found my way um, through different opportunities through fashion and ultimately found myself on the Today Show talking about fashion because I had started a blog in 2008 um, called The Cheap Chica's Guide to Style. Um, And it was all about showing women how to really shop with value as the number one criteria for what they were buying. And value means a lot of different things to a lot of people. But for me, it was clothing that was more like quality over quantity, clothing that gave you a lot of runway in your closet um, and what that looked like. And also strategies for shopping for value items on sale and on clearance. Mm -hmm. And so Um, writing a blog like that in 2008 was really powerful because in 2008, we, and what I say by mean is like the collective, we meaning people my age at the time, it was the first time we were really experiencing any kind of economic hardship, right? We had never really gone through anything like this before we went through a massive credit crisis. You know, half of my friends ended up on unemployment back in 2008. And for the first time in our very young lives, we were kind of faced with this decision about, wait, do I spend on like a fancy dinner with my friends or do I save the money because I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. And Mm -hmm. I felt like there was a reckoning between like living the lives that we thought we had earned and living them on credit and actually like learning to be really smart about your money. And so the blog really struck a chord with audiences and with tons of great people that, you know, were influencers in media. And by that, I mean like people that were covering for magazines and TV. And I kind of, built my name as this person who could really communicate and translate what it was to find value in fashion. And so I ended up on the Today Show. And after being on the Today Show for, I would say, probably three and a half years as a guest, I kind of pushed my way out of like the fashion box and started to cover other topics for them. One of the other topics that I covered for them, of course, was pop culture um, and lifestyle. These are things that I'm also really passionate about, but maybe didn't have a blog about them. Um, But as a storyteller, I think you're always able to communicate really good stories about compelling things and things that you're passionate about. So I kind of pushed my way, um, not so gently into being able to cover pop culture and media and red carpet and entertainment. And that's really where I got my start. I kind of learned on the job and like you, you know, I'm a fan, like I Mm -hmm. follow it. I I know it all. What I know about the housewives is actually probably really embarrassing and sad. Um, but you know what? I know it and I know it better than most people. Um, what I know about, you know, stories as they break, it's like, this is the stuff that I love to read about. And so I was fortunate enough to be working, you know, at the Today Show at the time where most of their journalists and most of the people that are on air there probably don't care about these topics very much. And so because there wasn't a lot of competition to cover this stuff, I was really able to make a name for myself and use my expertise as a pop culture um, fan um, to translate that into really fun stories about lifestyle and pop culture for the Today Show. And that ultimately became a stint at Access Hollywood. And ultimately, it earned me the job of the first, you know, Latinx host for E! News um, back in 2020. So, you know, it's amazing people always say like, oh, you know, like follow your passions, follow your dreams, but like, no, really do it. Um, Because if you work hard enough and you really truly are committed to it, but you're also committed to doing the work, like 
you end up in this position, you know, and it's, it wasn't overnight. It took a long time. It took almost seven and a half years um, to even get myself to be like an entertainment journalist or an entertainment reporter, but it was something that I desperately wanted and, and worked really hard for. Right. I mean, I think with, with journalism and media, especially with reporting, essentially, I'm not sure if everyone really realizes like you don't just sign up to be a reporter. I mean, if, if you get a job right away out the gate, being a reporter, like that's really amazing. Odd. Yeah. <laughs> but you really have to work your way up that ladder and, and put in the time. And I came across an interview you did where you talked about QVC and I grew up, I, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. I was actually born in Westchester. So I, I loved that story. And to me, it was really inspiring to hear that because I mean, growing up in Pennsylvania, I felt like there weren't a ton of opportunities for me. That's why I ended up going to school in New York and um, I I ended up working in New York, you know, after I graduated. So coming across that story and hearing how you were able to, you know, make the most out of that situation and you learn like what all you learned from QVC and, and how that sort of helped you develop your work ethic. I really loved that story. And I think it's just like a good reminder that opportunities are also sort of all around you, maybe in places you wouldn't expect. Um, and markets are sort of, that's the other thing too, like markets are, are sort of all around you as well. Like when I think of Pennsylvania now and like Pittsburgh and, and the film industry there and how booming it is. I think it's important to keep your eyes open as to like what's actually going on in the industries and and locations around you. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, you have to look at an opportunity and and really look at the skills that that opportunity is going to help you develop, right? Listen, did I want to be a career QVC host? No, absolutely not. That's certainly not what I wanted. But as somebody who had worked in radio and who had worked in new media, I really saw QVC as an incredible place to learn, right? And not only learn, but learn in a live environment. And there's not too many places that allow you to learn in a live environment. And the reason for that is that high, there's high stakes in a live environment, right? Um, you don't get a redo. You are live. So you get one shot. And learning to be live at two in the morning, in the middle of the night, having to meet sales goals and the pressures of a sales goal makes you very, very sharp. And it makes you really good at live television. And anybody that's worked at QVC or been through QVC training knows that QVC sales are rooted in deep storytelling because people don't buy a purse. They buy the feeling that a purse gives them. And it is your job as that salesperson to communicate a story about that bag. How does it make you feel? When were you wearing the bag that allowed you to really connect to that bag? Was it because you were wearing it on the first date with your husband? Was it a bag that you took into your interview that landed you the job that you wanted? And so that's what QVC teaches you. And that's what it taught me. It taught me the power of storytelling. Um, And so to combine that, right, with the pressures of being live and then to take those skills away from QC, but knew, know that I was going to use them in another job. Like that job had a really specific purpose in my career and it was really valuable. And anytime that I've worked in a live environment with people, they always walk away and they're like, you're not nervous. Like you're so at ease live. Like, where did you learn that? And I always say, I learned it at QVC. And if it wasn't for those few years that I spent there, I would never have been able to like nail my first shot out of the gate on the Today Show because 
I can tell you this. I used to have to do 120 minutes live at QVC in the middle of the night selling handbags that like maybe I wasn't too fond of, but I still was able to make the best of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So when they were like, oh, you're going to be live for two and a half to three minutes on the Today Show, I was like, this is a piece of cake. I could do this with my eyes closed, you know, because I had been set up and conditioned to work 120 minutes live. So two minutes live. Are you kidding? I was going to be on my A game, whether or not I had been on the Today Show before. And I also, you know, had a ton of live local segments before I ever did the Today Show. People think that like, you just decide that you're an expert in the Today Show calls, and then you end up doing a segment on the Today Show. That's not how it worked for me. Maybe it works like that for other people. Um, But I've actually seen that happen to other experts. And I've seen them bomb on air. Because Mm -hmm. It's a really, really hard environment to be yourself in and to be authentic in because the pressure is so high and you're working with the best in the business. Like imagine standing next to Savannah and Hoda doing a segment. If you've never been on live TV before, like you're going to choke, right? And if you don't choke, then you're like a superhero. And like, I need to know what you're eating, what you're drinking and what you're studying. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, practice makes perfect. And I was really fortunate to have all of the practice from hours and hours and hours on QVC and also hours and hours and hours of live segments in local markets. And I'm talking really small local markets like Omaha, Nebraska, like Oklahoma City, um, places that were small, but really important and impactful in my ability to learn and, and, and meet to grow as a presenter. Oh, definitely. And on the local level, especially like for, for journalists, like you're doing everything. Like you are like a one man, one woman show, like as a reporter, you know, going out there, doing your own, you know, standups, all of that. It's, it's really impressive. Um, but, but I liked hearing what you talked about with working those long hours, working those overnights, you sort of need, like you need to do that. And I, I don't mean this just for, for journalists, but for, for sort of any job, you need to put in the work to gain that perspective. And then the future jobs become a little bit easier, becomes more natural for you. Yeah, um, absolutely. I also think it also creates a certain mindset and mentality around work and work ethic and teamwork and the ability to work really hard. And like, I'm not like pro hustle culture at all. I think that you know, we're constantly all in search of balance, right? Like what's the right amount of work to the right amount of rest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we're always looking for that because I think that like when your mind rests and your body is at rest, you really have time to come up with like incredible ideas and new ways to approach things. And you're a better problem solver when you're rested. So I'm not like about hustle culture, but I am about somebody whose attitude is that they want to work hard to put in the best outcome, right? Like I love that. And I do think that coming up through the ranks teaches you that it also humbles you in a way that I think is really important. I think, you know, we've seen, we live in an insta world, right? So like we see Mm -hmm. overnight success happen all the time, or at least we see what we perceive to be overnight success. I always say, you know, I love Instagram, but a lot of it is smoke and mirrors and you're not seeing what's really going into it. You don't see the unglamorous part of being on a red carpet. You don't see like how much work went into that. You don't see all of the disappointments that went into that. And so I think when you work really hard and you don't succeed, you're humbled. And, you know, in this business, you're going to be humbled over and over and over again. But I think that creates the kind of person that I want to work with, the kind of person that I want to work for. Um, And I also think that, like, you know, not every opportunity feels like maybe it's a step forward, but that doesn't mean it's a step back right? Mm -hmm. Lateral moves are as important as forward moves. Um, And somebody that really appreciates that and understand that, understands that and values that in their journey, 
I think as somebody who like is a great member of a team um, and as much as, you know, you only see one person telling the story, you know, that when you work in media or you work um, in news, like it's so many people that came together to tell that story. Um, so I think being a good team member and, and, and being able to work on a team with skills that you've built on your own is, is really important. Yeah. I, I love that, per, that sort of note on, on taking a side seat. I feel like it is, it's so easy. I feel like I had that mentality growing up. It's like, you got to get ahead. You got to yeah. keep moving forward and you don't always have to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good to, you know, have ambition, have goals, keep moving up that ladder. Yeah. But sometimes it's okay to take a seat and just watch what's going on. <laughs> Learn from that moment. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And, you know, and also under, like, I also think explore the opportunity that's right in front of you that you're in, like, sure, this is how it was presented to you. But like, that doesn't mean that you can't expand that opportunity. It doesn't mean that you have to step away from this opportunity or onto another one to learn or grow more. I always think I'm very curious by nature and I love and thrive on education. So like, maybe I think I've mastered the opportunity right in front of me. Well, like come at it from another angle. You probably haven't mastered it from all angles yet. And so I think before you're kind of like, I'm ready for something else. I'm ready for something else. Like, have you come at the opportunity that's in front of you or that you're currently in from all angles? And if you can't come up with multiple angles on it, then like you really aren't ready to move because I do think that being able to see something from all angles is really valuable too. And there's plenty of opportunities that I've sat in for years and years. I mean, I was a contributor at the Today Show for almost seven years, right? I wasn't like, oh, how am I going to be like in the chair? How am I going to be a host? Like I was like, as a contributor here, I can cover so much. So like, what am I going to ask to cover next? Like maybe it's a beauty story this month, but maybe next month I want to go and cover women in tech. Like, so as a contributor, like I could cover anything. I just had to continue to push and push and push. But like, even after seven years, like, was I ready? Did Had I outgrown that opportunity after seven years? I don't think I'd outgrown it because I think there were more stories to tell. I just think I was I was finally ready for something else, but that was after seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a long time to stay in a role. And I can tell you this, I never felt bored, right? I never felt like I didn't have something to do. I was always learning. And at, at the end of those seven years, I was not only fronting all my stories, I was also pitching, producing, and like sitting with all of my editors. Um, I was doing so much more at year seven than I was in year one. And thankfully, because I want to grow constantly in those opportunities. So, you know, always try to see all of the different angles that exist in the opportunity you're in before you're like, oh, I'm ready for something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because it is, it's really easy to get swept up in a moment and think like, get, you know, a few, a few steps ahead of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, what you just said there, taking advantage of the position you're in and really working on your craft in that. I mean, that's how you gain sort of a reputation and that's how maybe in time then opportunities will come about and then it's the right time for you to take them. But I think, yeah, appreciating the moment you're in is so important. And I guess like speaking of good moments, then I'm, I'd love to know with all of the different like reporting you've done, red carpets, everything, was there an interview or even a story like as a contributor that you worked on that was just maybe whether it be life-changing, that sounds super cheesy, but <laughs> one, one of those big stories that really made an impact on you. Um, you know, I've done a couple. I mean, there's definitely been, there's been two. One was like just in terms of seeing myself in a really new way after I finished the story. I think 
you know, we all kind of live in our comfort zones. And even though we're told to always like push outside of them, I think it's really hard in practice to do that. Um, and I think it's also sometimes hard to see yourself outside of kind of the lenses we put on ourselves. Um, so one of the stories that I did, I want to say it was back in 2018, maybe 2019, um, is I got to go to Neville's air force base in Vegas and I got to fly, um, with the Thunderbirds and, you know, I am all of five feet tall and like a little bit under a hundred pounds. And, you know, I had seen plenty of stories of like much bigger, stronger, more capable human beings fly with the Thunderbirds. And I am also like not great on planes to begin with. Um, but you know, I'm not somebody who's naturally afraid, but like talk about getting out of your comfort zone. I mean, we were going to be flying at the speed of sound pulling nine G's. Um, I didn't know that I could do it, but I definitely was up for the challenge. And I had an incredible pilot who was so reassuring and like just the best cheerleader I could ever imagine. And it was one of the best days of my life. Um, you know, it was scary as hell, but it's amazing what like, it's amazing how powerful your mind is. Right. And it really taught me that like really scary scenarios like that can, it's a mind over matter thing. Right. And it's also having confidence in the person that's flying with you. Right. Which is why teams are so important. But when I left Neville's that day, I was like, yep, pretty much can do anything like anything, like just about anything. So that was one of those stories where I was just like, wow, I can't believe that I did that. A, I can't believe I had the opportunity to do that. And like, how grateful am I for this opportunity and for this job? Um, B, I can't believe that I survived, didn't throw up and actually felt great doing it. Um, and it just really encouraged me to like try other things. I think that next spring I climbed Chero Toco in Chile, which is one of the highest peaks um, in the world. Um, and same kind of thing. It's like a mind over matter thing. And I was like, listen, if I could pull nine G's with the Thunderbirds, I can make it to the top of this mountain. And it just gave me a really different outlook on life, especially when it came to physical challenges. Um, so that was one of those stories personally for me that really changed my approach um, to just being super confident and believing in how strong I am. And the other one was I did a story um, with the cast of Fantastic Beast. And we honored a school who had basically, the principal knew that their kids loved the Harry Potter series mm -hmm. and they had all raised money in their community. It's a really, it was a, a pretty low income school, but they had done fundraisers and parents donated and kids donated and teachers, of course, our teachers are amazing and um, teachers donated out of their own pockets to basically turn their school into Hogwarts. And so the cast of Fantastic Beasts surprised the entire elementary school, um, came and surprised the teachers, the principal, the kids, and played a whole day of games with them. And I got to cover that story for the Today Show. And, you know, Hollywood can get a bad rap. And these are some pretty big names. I mean, like Jude Law, like, I mean, yeah. these are, you're talking, I mean, Eddie Redmayne, like, these are really big names that got to come. And they were so normal and so generous of not just their time, but of their spirit. And I just realized like there's so much good that our industry can do when everything aligns. And it just really made me believe in Hollywood again and made me believe in just the power of people. Um, and to be able to do something like that for these kids was like 
life-changing for them for sure. Um, but also to be able to share that story with our viewers was just like so important. And it's all, it's really the only story I was ever able to do like that. And I like really would love the opportunity to do more of those because I think there's so much good to be done in our community and star power is just like the beginning. And I feel like in the right hands and with the right community spirit, you can really do so much to change people's lives. Exactly. And I think, you know, media itself, um, there's such a capability with it to highlight deserving stories. I mean, we see it all the time with some like groundbreaking, you know, hard hitting news stories, highlighting, you know, communities and areas that, you know, there's disparities and, you know, so much more stories that, you know, deserve to be told. But I think with, with entertainment reporting too, I mean, we, we talked about earlier, like pop culture, there's, there's such a love of it with people. Like, and I, I think, the creative ways you can do that, like that story with Fantastic Beasts, I think is wonderful. And and the different ways you can, you know, bring some joy into other people's lives through both the medium you're working in and also just the, the nature of the role itself as like an entertainment reporter. It, yeah. it is so great. Yeah, no, it's like, you know, how many, I cover a million red carpets and a million junkets and they're great. And they have a very specific purpose in our industry, right? They're to create promotion for the film. But how do we create promotion for the film and also benefit a community, right? Like, why can't we do more of that in addition to promoting the film? And, you know, listen, I don't know that Fantastic Beast needs more promotion. Like, I think that they're maxed out. I think if they did zero promotion, people would still find their way to those movies. Um, but when you're able to combine the two, it's like, oh, okay, like this is the kind to, this is the kind of entertainment reporting. This is the kind of journalism I want to work on. Um, and like I said, I haven't had the opportunity to do that since then, but I think as stars and I think as studios start to see how much good they can do in this world, they'll find other really creative opportunities to build buzz for their film that feels maybe not so traditional, but that also just has a longer, more lasting impact on not just the community, but also the people that are attached to this film. You know, I, I, I like to like believe that people like Jude Law and Zoe Kravitz who were in this film would be like, hey, listen, you know, I'm contractually obligated to do three days of promotion, but I want one of those three days to be done in community work. And if they put the pressure on the studios and the studios put the pressure on the film, then like that benefits everybody. I just think that there's there's more purpose to that. And I think that's what we're all looking for, whether you are a huge A-list global celebrity or you're a reporter like me, like, I think we all just want more purpose with the work that we do. And if we can combine it all, like that's a win-win for everybody. Exactly. And I, I think that's such a great story of how, you know, reporting can impact others. But then I also loved your first story you told about and how that reporting really just impacted mm-hmm. you, your growth yeah. as an individual. Um, and I loved what you said about how it, it was just such a grateful opportunity that you were able to be a part of, that you were just grateful to, to be there and to experience it all. But I think it's also important to remember that you you're grateful because like you got yourself there, Mm -hmm. like you, you put in the work to be there. And I think that's also something just with, this goes with any profession that when we experience those wins, I think it's important to remember like, yeah, I put in the work to get, it didn't just magically happen. Something didn't just fall into my lap. Like you put in the work to get there. So when you're experiencing those wins, I think it's important to remember that, um, which is just, yeah, 
really important. Yeah, no, it's true. I think, you know, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday. I said, you know, I think I was talking about celebrating, um, you know, milestones in motherhood. And she's like, you know, she's like, really? I was like, she's like, yeah, like what? She's like, well, like how, do, how can people celebrate? I said, you know, that's such a great question because I think oftentimes we misinterpret what the word celebration is. And we think that a celebration has to be a party or like a big purchase, like that celebration has to be commemoration. And it doesn't like celebration can literally be like taking five minutes to just like reflect in what you've done and where you are. Like celebration can be like a hug. It can be like a pat on your own back. Like celebration doesn't have to be this big commemorative experience. It can literally be being present in that moment and saying, wow, I've earned this, or I've worked so hard to be here. I'm really proud of myself. And just that in itself is at least honoring the moment that you're in. You know, I think sometimes we get confused and we think like celebrate, oh, it's gotta be this big over the top thing, but like, no, like celebrate the small things and celebrate them often with small gestures. It doesn't have to be some big thing. And I think if you become someone who's in the practice of celebration, like you naturally are living, I think, just a more joyful experience, whether that's professionally or, or personally. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that makes a really big impact on your just general mood and demeanor. Like, you know, have you ever like clapped for yourself? Like, it feels really good. You're like, oh, like I think about how often I celebrate like little tiny things that my son does. I have a nine month old and he gets so happy because like everyone's paying attention to him. And like, we're celebrating like the fact that he fed himself with a spoon. And you're like, if we do that for our children all the time, like what happened that we stopped doing that for ourselves and that we have to like land some big client to take ourselves to dinner, or we have to get some huge promotion to get our families together to celebrate us. Like I am so aware of the things that I do for him to like nurture his development and growth and just daily joy. And then I look at how I treat myself or how I treat my husband or how I treat, you know, an assistant that works. I'm like, wait, we don't do that for each other anymore. What's missing here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why, like, it's so nice to like have a little person because they're just a mirror to how differently you treat yourself. Um, and it's, it's really funny. Like we celebrate so much for them and we celebrate so little for ourselves as adults and grownups. I think we should definitely do more of that. For sure. And I'm actually really glad you transitioned into motherhood because that's one thing I wanted to bring up. You know, I'm not a mom myself, but I've really appreciated how much you've shared in your journey with motherhood, whether it was your, you know, your process with IVF and your journey through pregnancy. Um, and then also, like you said, you know, you have a nine month old now, um, and adorable as can be. (laughs) And I, I came across, you know, a post you recently made, um, about how, what you just said, you know, you're celebrating all these milestones for your child, but it's important, like you're putting in the work to to raise this human being. And it's important to, to sort of recognize your role in that and to, you know, really just appreciate yourself and like what you're capable of. Absolutely. I think we don't do it enough as, as caretakers, whether you're a mom or a dad. Um, you know, I think for me, I didn't realize it until I got to six months. Cause I think I was like living in like a fog for six months, just trying to like survive every day. And when we got to six months, I was just so proud of the work that him and I had done together, right? Like we had survived this thing together. Like I wasn't going to survive without him and he wasn't going to survive without me. And at six months, I was really proud because 
it had been really hard. Like it's, you know, everyone explains that motherhood is really challenging and that having a newborn is really hard, but until you're like living and breathing it every single day, I don't think you're quite capable of realizing how challenging it can really be and how isolating it can also feel. And so when we got to six months, for some reason, like I was having a great day that day and he was having a great day and he gave me like an hour and a half nap in the morning. And I like, you know, got in the shower, blow dried my hair, styled it, put on some makeup and a cute outfit. And I was like, I'm going to take a picture of this with my self timer because that was one of the first times I'd really been able to like get him together and get me together at the same time. Prior to that, it was like, he looks cute all the time. Like, don't get me wrong. I can be a hot <laughs> mess, but my baby looks amazing all the time. Mm-hmm. And then there were times when like, you know, I had a sitter that was watching him so that I could get together. But like that day we got it together at the same time on the same day. And I just felt like it was really important to celebrate the six months that we had spent kind of like getting to this moment. And so I had shared a photo of myself at his six month milestone instead of the baby. And the reason I took that picture, because I was like, well, I got him here. Like I'm now going to celebrate me every month. I celebrate him and that's cool. But like, I'm also going to make some space to celebrate me. Like I made it this far and I survived this whole long list of things that I'd been keeping in my iPhone. Like every time I kind of felt like I had made it through something, I wrote it down. So I was like, oh, I made it through, you know, breastfeeding. I made it through like, you know, COVID with him. I made it through all of these things. And the list was long. And at six months, I looked at it and I was like, I'm going to share this um, because this is a huge accomplishment. It was one of my proudest moments as a mom and as a human being so far in my 41 years of life. And I just don't think moms take enough time to really honor all of the work that they put in. So I was like, listen, kids have milestones, but like moms are allowed to have milestones too. And you're also allowed to celebrate them and celebrate them publicly. Like you don't have to celebrate by yourself. Exactly. And, and like I said, I I really appreciate you sharing all of that because I've been speaking with, you know, friends of mine who have children and hearing, hearing sort of their perspectives with raising kids and thinking about how just in the past few years, at least like conversation is, is changing a little bit, a little bit, because obviously there's so much more room for growth and, and so much more room for more dialogues really. But, you know, conversations changing women, mothers feel more able, they feel more able to, to share their, their grievances, their joys, all those things that they experience. And I think it's individuals like you with platforms who are able to really just open up, not that you have to do it, but I think it's great that you do do it because it really does just help open up those dialogues and allow people to see whether they're mothers, whether they're women, just to see like, oh, somebody else is going through this too. And they're talking about it. All right. Normal. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, normalizing, I think all of those kind of previously, I guess, I don't know who deemed them taboo, maybe men, I'm not sure, but, you know, normalizing all of those topics and also like the struggle, you know, I just don't think, I know that for some people it is easy and I say more power to you. Like that's amazing, but it wasn't for me. And I know that for every person that it wasn't easy for, it helps that I can normalize that process and say, By the way, like even with all the help that I have, it's still not easy. So for women that are doing it on their own, like, oh my gosh, like talk about it. It's okay. And it doesn't make you any less than to struggle. Like I still say like, you know, like I'm as much of a mom as a woman who who's doing it all perfectly and easily, right? Just because my Mm -hmm. 
version is really messy um, and has a lot of bumps, like doesn't make it any less perfect or any less worthy. I, I completely agree. And honestly, <laughs> in any situation, uh, something's bound to be messy at some point. So I yes, feel like messy is messy is a good thing. I mean, like I think messy is like where all the good growth comes from, right? Like when things are like super tidy and neat, like what is there to clean up? Like where are you going to go from there? Exactly. <laughs> so w- with that said, um, I'd love to know then um, this new chapter with motherhood then, and also working and sort of finding that balance. How have you been finding oh, everything? I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not, I really <laughs> wish. I, I think it's like one of the biggest myths. You know, I say on my best work days, I'm a shitty mom. And on my awesome mom days, I'm like a shitty producer, host, journalist, influencer. Like Um, it's just, I'm not, I haven't found it yet. And I took a really nice long maternity leave thinking that that would help the transition, but it's just, you are constantly running at a hundred on so many different cylinders, right? It's like, you know, they call it the invisible load of motherhood, right? It's not just like making sure your baby has like a clean diaper and fed and, and well slept. It's all of the other stuff, right? It's all of like the but is he learning? Like, is he making the right sounds? Is like his room clean? Is my house a mess? It's just, it never stops. Like the to-do list, I stopped keeping to-do lists because I'm like, what's the point? I'm never going to get through it. Um, And so I'm trying my hardest, you know, I'm trying to make it so that on days when I do have additional support and help, those are the days that I'm trying to really commit to work and working like consistent hours, right? So if I have help from eight to four, then I'm trying to work from eight to four. And it's hard because a lot of those days I'm working from home and I want to like sneak away and like play with the baby and like hug him and feed him lunch. But that's taking me out of work mode. Right. And I'm one of those people that like, once I'm in, I need to stay in because it's so easily easy for me to get distracted. And so what I'm trying to do is do that three days a week and then two days a week, be really present for him. And it's some of the best advice that one of my girlfriends, who's the executive producer of Rachel Ray told me, she said, you just have to be present when you are with them. Like put the phone away. Like, don't worry about the deadlines. Like it'll be there when you pick it up, but like they know when you're present, even at a really young age. So if you're making the decision that Tuesdays are the day that you spend with your son, like Tuesdays are his day and like honor that and be respectful of that time and let him have that time with you. And then Wednesday, everything that was there on Tuesday will still be there on Wednesday. Like the fires will still be roaring and burning Wednesday morning when you open your (laughs) inbox. Um, And I think that's really the best advice is to like, just try to be as present as you can in the time that you're with them. And some days that's going to be 15 minutes. Like I was just traveling in New York. I left Wednesday night and I didn't come home until Sunday morning. And I was working the entire time and I missed him terribly, but he was fine. I came back. He's still smiling. He was fed. He was slept. My mom was here watching him, which gave me a ton of peace of mind. But, you know, I, I find it to be a little bit of a myth and I think it's hard to do it all. And I think it's hard to expect yourself to do it all really well. I think you're going to have really good days and I think you're going to have really bad days. Um, and I think just giving yourself a lot of grace and patience to work through the really bad days is kind of the only thing that you can do. Um, but I'm not good at it and it's okay. I've kind of come to terms with it. You know, I kind of have to for the now. Um, and maybe as he gets a little bit older and needs me less, um, I'll get more comfortable. But for now, like he's only going to be, you know, this little one time. And I think given the struggle that I had with IVF, he's probably going to be my only one. And so I want to really take advantage and really just like relish in this time that I have with him because 
I'm only going to get to have a baby one time. There's going to be another story and there's going to be another red carpet and there's going to be another award show um, for the rest of my life, but he's only going to be this little once. And so for me, the priority right now is really focusing on him. Mm -hmm. That's such a great answer. And I, I love all of that because it's true. I mean, and I feel like anybody who tells you otherwise, not to say it's a lie, but it's like, how, how are you doing it then? Cause I I'd love to know how you, you know, yeah. juggle things. But I think when it comes to sort of juggling things and, you, you know, putting your feet in, in both worlds at the same time, you can find a happy medium, but yeah. you can't hold on to that forever. There's always going to be things thrown in the yeah. mix that'll, you know, drag you to one side or the other. Everything. Yeah. And I think that's kind of it. Like, you know, my husband's like a surfer and, um, like is in the water all the time. And even when I was like, you know, going through like, you know, what would birth feel like and talking to my doula, you know, like they kind of relate it to like that, like when you're in the ocean, right? Like if you're trying to like block a wave, like it's not going to happen. Like you're, it, it, there's no way you kind of have to either like duck dive the wave and be like, okay, I'm just going to let that wash over me and like come up for air. Like it's kind of the same thing with like, like things are going to come at you. And if you're constantly trying to block them, like it doesn't work, like it's going to eventually push you over. So you just kind of have to like work with the water and like work with the motion and just kind of like take a deep breath, like duck dive the wave and like, kind of like come up for air on the other side. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's such a beautiful metaphor, especially for motherhood, because trying to like go like this, it doesn't work. You're going to get knocked over. Yeah. That's a, a great metaphor. Just to yeah. ride with it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. It's all you can really do. Well, so then I guess with that and, and new projects you're working mm-hmm. on, I mean, I know you're at people right now, people TV as a yep. contributor, which is exciting. Um, are you able to share, you know, what's going on on your end in terms of like future yeah. things you want to pursue? Totally. Yeah. So for me, you know, one of the things that I did during maternity leave was really prioritize, um, things that I wanted to do behind the camera, um, you know, over the last 10 years of working with incredible properties like the today show and access Hollywood and E I've really learned so much on the job as a producer. Um, and I'm so grateful that they allowed me to kind of like tack on to really talented producers and be like, can I shadow you for a week? Um, and so what I did is I started a production company with um, a partner in New York. Her and I both come from daytime television. We've spent the last you know decade in working in daytime TV. And so what we want to do is kind of pilot projects that we think have a place um, on streaming or digital that are really in the lifestyle space. So we're working on a kid's food show right now. Um, so working as an executive producer and a producer behind the scenes is something that I'm really passionate about right now. Um, so I'm going to continue to give a lot of hours to that and see how it goes. Um, because I love the work that I do in front of the camera, but it's not scalable. There's only one me, right? So I can only be hosting one thing at one time, Whereas a producer, I can build a business model that scales, right? Because I can be working on multiple shows, um, as a producer, because I can give my attention to multiple projects. Um, and scalability is really important to me in terms of longevity and kind of the impact that I want to have financially on my family's future. And so when I see the landscape and I see how few hours I'm really willing to be away from my son, I need to make sure that those hours, I'm not working for those hours, that those hours are really working for me. And being on the production side and on the development side of things to me is really where I want to focus because it allows me to scale my business. Um, So that's something that I really have a lot of time 
set aside to build out in 22. So yeah, look, look, look out for some really fun projects that we have coming up. Well, that's amazing. I'm so Thank excited you. to see what all you continue to do with Thank it. You. Um, that kids cooking show sounds so fun. <laughs> so fun. It's, you know, it was not, again, I'm not a cook. Um, I have children, but like I have a baby, but I'm definitely not into food, but we met somebody who was just an incredible talent. Um, and her idea was just something that like needed a little bit of fine tuning. That's what my partner and I can do. And so we kind of built a treatment that I think is really timely and really different. And I don't see it out there. And, you know, when you watch as much TV as I do, it's rare to find something that doesn't already exist. Um, and so we're really excited about it, but yeah, it's fun. It's really fun to be able to produce and, and bring that skill set, which I've been working on, but not really at the forefront, um, and put it all together. You know, it's like, it brings, it's like what I was saying, like, you never know what you're going to learn from an opportunity. Um, so to be able to take like kind of all of these different skill sets that I've been building for the last decade and package them up into this production company is really amazing. It's like, it's, it's kind of what I was almost like too scared to dream. But now that I was like, now that I've like given it a little bit of space, I'm like, okay, no, this is it. This is really it. So And that's an excellent point you made too, about sort of trying different roles. I mean, as somebody who also sort of worked in broadcast, started out in broadcast media, um, it's really important. I think for anybody who, who would be listening, who would be entering into that field or who's already currently in it, it's very accessible to, you're around so many different people with so many different roles. Listen in, you know, pay attention to who's sitting next to you and never be afraid to say, Hey, like, yeah. Like you said, could I shadow you for the day or what are you yeah. working on? Tell me a little bit yeah. about it. Right. Or like, I, I mean, I was fascinated with like our directors. It's like, can I like sit in the booth with you and just watch for like my day off? And they'd be like, that's how you want to spend your day off. Cool. Yes. Come on in. Um, but it's like, it's literally like getting a master's in broadcast. Like think about all of the different, like the writers, the editors, the producers, the directors, like the, like ever, I mean, the camera guys, like the camera women, like I learned so much, like just by asking them, like I bought a camera and I was like, can you guys help me with these settings? They're like, yeah, of course. Like I learned how to shoot on my Sony because I work with amazing camera people that were super generous with their time. Like we'd be sitting at lunch and I'd be like, Hey, can I bring my camera in during lunch? Can you like teach me some tricks? They'd be like, yeah, totally. You know, like think of it as like free education and like, you should always be learning. You should, you should never stop learning. I think that's when you like get old and stale and tired. You should always be learning. Definitely. And I mean, isn't the sort of the number one thing you learn in in journalism, whether it's in the field or like within the business, people want to talk about themselves, not in like, people love to talk about themselves. And I think when that comes to anybody you're working with, and if you feel like nervous about asking somebody like a question about their role or you know, things like shadowing in on somebody yeah. don't be because they're going to love to tell you. Oh my God. Be like, what got, how did you start as a director? Like, what was the first project you did? Oh my God. It'd be like three days later and they're still telling the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll take it as such a compliment and then it's great. And it shows to them, to you that, you know, you're there, you want to learn. Yeah. And I, I think that was like the one thing that really got me through, especially in college, like as an intern and whenever somebody would say, Hey, like, do you want to go sit in on a pitch meeting? It's like, yes, please sign yes. me up. I'll go I do know. it. <laughs> I love that. Ad- I love that attitude. Yeah. Well, that's so great to hear about your upcoming projects. And I, I love, I love that you're like diving into producing. That's so exciting. Um, I guess before we go, I always love to conclude by asking with this being handling it. Do you have a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned throughout your career that's really helped you handle your life? 
Um, yes, uh, it's, <laughs> it was a lesson hard learned and I learned it too late, but I'm happy to know that I'm happy that I now am able to apply it all the time, but nobody is ever going to give you something you don't ask for. So don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. No, like we just said, like, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to use your voice and speak up. I think that's great. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Liliana, for coming on and where can people follow along with you and keep up with your journey? Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram. Of course, I'm just at Liliana Vasquez. And then I have a blog called the LV guide. It's just LilianaVasquez.com. And that's kind of where I share all of like my daily musings on everything lifestyle, whether it's travel, food, fashion, or beauty. So yeah, make sure and check it out and sign up for our newsletter. It's free. It's beautiful. And we put so much work into it. Um, so yeah, it comes in your inbox every Wednesday night and it's really fun to shop it. It's really fun to read about really cool interviews that we do. So LilianaVasquez.com. Perfect. I'll be linking it up. So thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. All right, folks, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Liliana and that you were able to take away some advice from today's conversation. All of Liliana's social media handles are in the episode description, so you can keep following along with her story and see the work she continues to do in production. Thank you to Liliana so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at handlingitpodcast, and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. Have a wonderful summer, everyone. I will be back this fall with more episodes, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.